All right. Good morning. How's everybody doing? Staying warm? Dave says no. When I uh, when I woke up yesterday morning, it was like five or six below in Ankeny. So hey, it was like three degrees here this morning. So we're making progress. Making progress. Um, so that is good. Um, thank you, Pastor Richard, for allowing us to. Uh, meet here. How many are grateful for them opening up their their place for us to meet here? Um, God is good, and we are blessed. Thank you so much. And um, also, just uh, you know, I, I wasn't here for the the first session, so I don't know all that was said. Although I have a general idea, um, but um, it's it's a blessing to be here um, with Pastor Dave. I know. Uh, for those of you who don't know, um, I really don't have anything to do with my social media, so um, anything you see on there, it's my wife's fault, not mine. Um, seriously, I'll go places, and I'm like, hi, how are you? And someone will be like, hey, how was Phoenix the other day? I'm like, how did you know that? Was Then I was, oh yeah, social media, okay, my wife must have put something out there on it. And um, so I'm still getting used to that. But anyways, she takes care of all my social media. And um, not because it's like, I'm so busy and can't do that. It's just, she's very good with that. She was our communications director at our church for a few years um, until last year. And um, uh, so she's very good with that. And, and I'm not so much, as in at all. And uh, so, um, but, uh, but she, she just sent me a text the other day and said, Hey, I just wanted you to know this was the feedback that somebody gave on social media regarding these meetings, and they were like, hey, so glad you get to go minister with your dad. So, um, yeah, so um, that was Rick Arrowwood, by the way, Dave, one of our elders. So, um, no, the reality is he is um, not my dad, but he's been like a spiritual father um, to me, um, and so really it is an honor to be with him. Uh, we're brothers. Uh, the misnomer is that, um, that I'm his younger brother. The reality is I'm his much younger brother, okay? <laughs> that's, that's the right way to phrase it. So, but... Uh, but seriously, <laughs> uh, as, as I'm sure everybody in this room knows, he's a tremendous man of God, and I'm so thankful for him, and uh, it's just, it is an honor to be able to partner with him in ministry. I was on staff with him, um, actually for a number of years at Teen Challenge, and then until the end of 2019, I was on staff with him at our church in Ankeny for about 16 years or so, and, uh, and that was an awesome privilege, and, uh, and I'm so thankful that even after resigning that, um, uh, yeah, for the privilege of partnering together with him in ministry, so um, that, is, that is a blessing. So the, uh, you know, we've done this, different versions of this school, we've done, we kind of did our modified version of it in South Korea a few years ago. And uh, we've done it multiple times in different places in Colombia and in Panama. And, uh, and so thankful now to be here in Burlington, Iowa, doing this. So, um, and 
it is an honor to be here with my son, Elijah. Um, he was with me. You can clap for him. He was with me when I came here back in December, and I said, hey, come back for this school. Make it out for this school that will be here in February, and we'll be coming back, and Elijah's going to join me as he turns 18. So today is his 18th birthday. And um, so I don't know if he's appreciating this or hates this. I'm not sure which, but either way, we all know it's out of love and honor to him. So um, for those of you who have been parents for a long time, you also know that the, that, that applause goes toward the parents having survived raising kids as well. So... Um, <laughs> But, no, he is, he is a great son. Uh, he is a tremendous blessing. So we have four kids. And um, so now, officially as of today, all three of our sons are legal adults. And we have a daughter um, also at home who is 16. So um, God is so good. When I was here back in December, um, both for the burn, what do you call it, the burn service? Prayer burn. That meeting, that Saturday night meeting, the burn event, okay, um, both, well, actually during the day when I met with some different leaders, and then that night, and then here on Sunday morning, um, really dug into the word, and uh, yeah, just really um, went line upon line in different passages of scripture, and um, uh, there was just a grace upon me that weekend to really get in this teaching mode, and um, and one of the things in, in partnering with Dave over the years in ministry, realizing that he and I, um, even though there's similarities, we're very different from one another, and he's an, an incredible, incredible teacher of the Word of God who I've just received so much from over the years, and, um, and so one of the things um, that the way we operate is he's this incredible teacher. And I don't feel such a need to pull line upon line out of Scripture um, when, when I'm ministering with him because he does such an incredible job teaching. And so, honestly, my heart is so full um, this morning of just so much stuff that, uh, that I kind of am uh, challenged as to, as to where to go. But we want to talk about the love of God this morning and that... At first glance, that can be like, okay, God loves us. Well, I think I learned that when I was like four in, in you know, like Sunday school class as a little kid. I thought we were going to go into deeper stuff than that. This is what I found out, that there are layers and layers and layers to the love of God and layers and layers of lies that have been placed over our heart that God wants to peel back. Peel back lies that we've believed about ourselves and about who God is and, and unveil to us the fullness of his love. And really, uh, a lot of my portion, a lot of my sessions, um, it's not going to be so much teaching, but it's going to be an invitation to drink deep of the spirit of God. And as Dave and I have talked, he, God, he flows in the spirit um, and with an incredible teaching gift. Um, my teaching gift is different from his. He's, he's very, very gifted in that. 
um, but more of the emphasis that God will use me in this context is inviting people to just drink deep of the Spirit of God. And um, so this phrase um, came to me this morning while I was just waking up um, really for this, this whole weekend, and that is uh, we know as good evangelicals that Scripture says, Paul said in Ephesians, that we are saved by grace through faith. How many know that? Okay, we don't earn it. We're not twisting God's arm, convincing Him to bless us or to save us. We are saved by grace through faith. Here's where I think some of us get tripped up, is we know that, as good evangelicals, we know that we are saved by grace through faith. It's like, yes, I got saved by grace through faith. Now I'm in the kingdom. And now from here on out, buddy, I tell you what, I'm going to pull myself up by the bootstraps and I'm going to work really hard and be a faithful Christian. Rather than recognizing not only are we saved by grace through faith, every facet of the Christian life is by grace through faith. Everything from beginning to end. So whatever we want, however you want to define this thing of a supernatural lifestyle in the kingdom... I need to recognize that it's by grace through faith. Hopefully you're going to receive some fresh insight, revelation, understanding. God's going to speak to your heart. You're going you're to encounter him afresh. It's going to be an empowering time. But at the end of the day, there's not some new revelation in a sense that it's anything apart from Scripture. It's just seeing what he's already made available to us. Okay, what's always been in the Word, what's always been in the heart of the Father, what has always been in the heart of Christ. And I'm just telling you, I've been on a journey for a number of years where the further I go, I, I, I believe I'm more and more convinced that it's not so much that I'm hungering to press in for something more or new, although God definitely responds to hunger, but it's more a, a, of... God unveiling to us what he's already made available in Christ. The centerpiece is the gospel. This lifestyle in the kingdom, the, the entry point is the cross. And we come via the cross. And I'm, I'm on this exploration of discovering what God has made available to us through the cross. And so some of um, what we'll be hitting on today and, and again um, in the, tomorrow will be, reg for my portion, regarding the love of God, it's going to be the legal aspect of what he accomplished at the cross and then also just the heart of the Father, okay? Um, so let's, um, let's go to... Let's go to Ephesians. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. And um, oh, we love you, Lord. We love you, Father. We love. Because you first loved us. You're the great initiator. You 
are the one who initiated this whole thing. And all we can do is reciprocate and love you back because you first loved us. I thank you, Lord, that this morning there's not a single person sitting here or even watching or listening in whatever way they might be. I don't know, understand how it works. But there's not a person who's paying attention who is not the object of your affections. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for the new covenant. We thank you that you are passionately pursuing us to fully convince us of your inexhaustible love. Holy Spirit, we just welcome you here. We invite you here. And we ask you to just settle upon us. We ask that you would transcend the voice of man. And Holy Spirit, you would speak deep into the heart of each person. You know right where we're at and what we need. I thank you for it. We thank you ahead of time for what you're going to do in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, When Paul says in Ephesians that, that we are saved by grace through faith, and I say that everything is by grace through faith, I think here's part of the reason why we're starting out a, a school on uh, uh, supernatural lifestyle in the kingdom is that uh, we're saved by grace through faith. Sometimes what we can do is we can have a tendency to look at supernatural ministry, the gifts of the Spirit, um, healing, miracle, signs, wonder, deliverance, and look at it through the lens of, I got to work up a lot of faith. Man, look at that mighty man of God on the platform there. I saw this video. I saw this. I went to a conference. I saw this video clip of this mighty, amazing man or woman of God. And if I could just have enough faith like them, I too perhaps could attain to their level and operate in that amazing kind of faith. I just got to keep working my faith muscle. And another year goes by, and it's like, oh, I'm still trying to exercise my faith. And two years later, it's like, oh, man, I got so much stuff coming against my faith, but I'm trying to develop faith, and I, if I, I'm just trying to be a man or woman of faith, faith, faith. And I don't think, on one hand, I don't think there's anything wrong with that and the fact that we need to grow in faith. I want to exercise our faith. But there's a way that it starts out. It's by grace through faith. So if all we do is say, if our emphasis is through faith, through faith, through faith, not realizing that it's predicated upon by grace, we're going to get caught in a treadmill of performance in our, our faith. And we wind up getting locked into putting faith on our own faith. So it's by grace through faith. So faith can only appropriate what grace makes available. That's why we don't go around praying for things that God hasn't assigned for us. Okay, If you're here this weekend and you're married and you're just really believing God for a new spouse, I would tell you that that is illegal in the kingdom. See, you can only appropriate by faith, what's been made available by grace. And the grace of God is not extended to you to get, an, you know, uh, I think I want an upgrade. I, I want to ditch this one. No. 
Maybe what God wants to do is make you into a new spouse. Maybe that. Okay. <laughs> but you see, you see what I'm saying is that what the grace of God has made available, the more that I see the grace of God, the more that I'm amazed by His grace, and it's not just an old hymn singing Amazing Grace, but I really stand in awe of the grace of God, everything that the grace of God has made available, our faith gets to access. But if you're not convinced that God's grace is really that good and that amazing, if you're really not convinced of the love of God, you're not really convinced of His holy affection burning toward you, you'll really have a hard time accessing that. Anything of a supernatural lifestyle. So, let's, um, let's take a look at this passage, Ephesians chapter 1. Let's go to um, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. Even as he chose us in him before the creation of the world, A few years ago, the Lord spoke to me and he said, Christopher, you know how so often we say in church that God's not defining you by your past. And we say things like that. And most of us, we know what we're talking about when we say that. But isn't it kind of funny how when we say that, how, how many of your minds automatically went to the positive? Yes, my glorious, amazing past. Anybody? Isn't it funny? We never said whether our past was negative or positive. Just when we say past in church... It's always a default of the negative, right? I don't think, my experience is there's not, a, there's not a person in this room who would go, oh, yeah, all of my good deeds, you're right, the Lord's not judging me on that, or I've been faithfully following Jesus my whole life. When we say past, we always go to the negative. I'm not saying it's right or wrong, I'm just saying it's interesting how we tend to do that, okay? So we use a phrase like, God's not judging you based on your past, Okay? Um, your value, your worth is not based on your past. And I get why we say that because most of the time what we're talking about is all of our sin, our dysfunction, our failures in our past. But the Lord challenged me through this passage of Scripture and He said, Christopher, you are defined by your past. You're, you just haven't viewed your past far back enough. That I've had the tendency to look at my past as in the last year, five years, 10 years, 20 years, 25, anybody 30, 35, 40? Anyway, I'm not going to keep going back further than that. But in recent history, and when I say recent, I mean the last 112 years. I doubt there's anyone older than 112 here, okay? So the last 112 years, okay? That's whatever your lifespan has been, 
let's face it, that is very, very small. That is recent history when you consider that the earth is at least 6,000 years old. Scholars, scientists, theologians, they'll debate on the, how old the earth is, but the, the youngest that people would believe it would be would be 6,000 years old. So really, when you consider it, your, your 50, 60 years, 40, 70 years, whatever your lifespan has been, is a very short amount of time on the earth. And the Lord was saying, Christopher, you tend to define yourself by these recent years when really I define you before you were ever born. So it says here, it says, you were, that he chose us in Christ. Who's the he? God the Father chose us in who? Christ the Son. He chose us, you and I, God the Father chose you and I in Jesus before the creation of the world. That's before Iowa became a state. That's before the Mississippi ever flowed. That's before the Declaration of the United States was ever signed. I remember the first time I went to Europe. I've been there a couple times, a few times. And I remember I walked into a cathedral, and there was a flag from like 13-something. And as an American, that was just so shocking. It's like, oh, my gosh. Like, that flag has been around longer than our nation. You know, really, as far as the nations of the earth go, we're a rather new nation. Comparatively. But not only was that before the establishment of this nation, but it was before the Roman Empire existed. You were chosen by the Father before your grandparents ever had any idea they'd ever be grandparents. Why is this important regarding a supernatural lifestyle? Life in the kingdom. I would say it's because if I view a supernatural lifestyle in the kingdom as I'm working really hard, again, getting back to faith, I'm going to try to be a person of miracles, signs, and wonders. I'm going to work really hard at this. I'm going to strive to be a really good Christian. I'm going to try to do it and make it happen and exercise my faith. Bless God. Try really hard. And I just, there's all this resistance, and I'm trying to go, and I'm, I'm meeting all this resistance. Because how many know that the world is against us? And there really are demonic forces that are against us. We have an enemy who hates us, okay? So I'm facing this force, and it's real. If that's my only lens that I'm viewing this supernatural lifestyle, then I'm striving in to exercise my own faith, thinking it's up to me to make this happen. Rather than going, wow. Before I was born, there was already a wind blowing on my back. <sighs> just propelling me into my future. It doesn't mean that there's not resistance. It doesn't mean that there's not warfare. But I didn't come up with this idea. Living, living life in the kingdom wasn't my great idea. I wasn't like, hey, God, you got this whole world that's kind of a mess here. And listen, I got this bright idea. 
got this idea about living in the kingdom. Let me give you some insight into kind of what I'm thinking. No, it wasn't like that. I wasn't, I wasn't, God, I'm not filling God in on anything. I'm not giving God any great, wonderful ideas. This was all his idea from the beginning. Before my great-great-grandparents ever existed, the heart of the Father was already beating toward me. And you might go, well, hey, brother, you don't know what kind of family I come from. I mean, you might say that because, you know, like your dad's a preacher. I mean, your brother's a preacher, and, and uh, your dad, Jim Olson's a minister, and you come from this. Fa- hey, you don't know the kind of dysfunction that's been in my family, how screwed up it's been. But you know what I love about that? The grace of God is bigger than the sin and the dysfunction of my family heritage. (laughs) Way bigger. The grace of God broke into our family line and the, the grace of God, the wind of God has been blowing toward my life, propelling me into my destiny, into my future. That's not just me, that's every one of us. That you've been chosen by the Father in Christ before the creation of the world. And the wind of God has been blowing on your back. You were chosen in Christ before the creation of the world. You were wanted from the beginning. There's never been one day of your existence when you haven't been wanted. Jesus, let me say it this way, God the Father does not love you because Jesus went to the cross. Jesus went to the cross because the Father has always loved you. Jesus was not on the cross trying to convince the Father with his sacrifice, twisting the arm of God, trying to convince you trying to convince him to love you. God, I know they're really screwed up, and I know you're a really angry judge, but please, please, change your mind. No, there is absolute congruence. There is absolute perfect unity in the Godhead, okay? So when God the the Father sent God the Son, Jesus, to die on the cross, there's absolute agreement in that. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. It wasn't just the son going, I love you, I'm going to the cross. Is the father saying, I so love the world. If this sovereign God really is omniscient, then let me ask you this. When he chose you in Christ before the creation of the world, did he know about your sin ahead of time? Did he know about your insecurities? Did he know about the struggles that you would have. Did he foresee your failures? 
You think he did? And he chose you anyways. That's amazing. There is not one thing that's popped up in your life that can convince him to stop loving you. You see, you and I, in our limited view, in our humanity, we tend to think, oh my gosh, I screwed up. I failed so bad. This is finally the nail in the coffin that's going to convince God to stop loving me. And he said, sorry, I already chose you thousands of years ago. Nothing's going to stop that. Nothing's going to change that. Do you think that when God chose you before the creation of the world, that he knew ahead of time how your kids were going to turn out? How your kids were going to react to you? The choices that they would make? Do you think that he knew about all the ways that you felt disqualified in God using you? I think if he's God, he is omniscient. I think he probably knew those things. And he chose you anyways. He just chose you. Before you could ever be rejected, before you could ever be abused or misunderstood or judged or rejected by any human being, the Father chose you. And then it says this. Even as he chose us in him before the creation of the world, that we should. Somebody pause right there. It says, even so as he chose us in him before the creation of the world, he chose us for what? To screw up and to fail and barely get by and to live miserably on earth, be a miserable Christian, but somehow... Barely get through those pearly gates when it's all said and done. Is that the heart of the Father? He chose us to be holy and blameless. Holy and blameless. That's amazing. He chose you to be holy and blameless. See, holiness isn't something like I'm just striving to be in my life. I'm going to try to make enough good decisions and overcome enough bad habits so I can try to someday maybe consider myself holy. If I live long enough and be disciplined enough, maybe someday I can be holy. No, according to this, God predestined you. And by the way, I'm not a Calvinist. I'm just reading scripture, okay? Just reading what Paul said. But that God predestined us before the creation of the world to be holy. So again, holiness is not just something, oh, I'm going to try really hard if I can just overcome this. Oh, 
oh, maybe I can overcome, and someday when I'm 75, I can finally consider myself holy. No. There is a wind that's been blowing on your back called the wind of holiness by the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you. God has declared you to be holy, and you and I get to manifest that. So holiness isn't just something I'm trying to do. It's something that I've, he's already declared me to be. And now I get to do holiness because I already am holy. Obviously, our actions, our attitudes, our obedience is really important. And we need to stay away from sin. Sin's really bad. It will destroy. But at the end of the day, you and I are declared holy. So it's not just something that we try to do. It's already who we are. That he declared over your life before the creation of the world. I don't know about you, but I think that's pretty good news. That he's already woven that into your DNA. Holy and blameless. When I say that, when I say that he's already woven it into our DNA, I'm not talking about the DNA we inherited from Adam. I'm talking about the second Adam. How many of you have been born again? Born again from above. See, here's what I hear. I hear some people say this. They quote an Old Testament scripture, and I get it because it's in the Word, and they'll say the heart is deceitful above all else. It's so wicked. Who can know it? And I get that. That is the natural default of mankind. The challenge to that is, is I'm no longer merely a son of Adam. I'm a son of the second Adam. I've been born again. So if I'm saying I'm born again, how can I say my heart is deceitfully wicked? It is evil to the core. But thank God I'm filled with the Spirit. And God lives on the inside of me and He gave me a brand new nature. But I am evil to the core. The heck? When I was born the first time, I had the power of choice. I had a default setting that made me prone to rebellion. Okay? And the more I made wrong choices, the easier it was to make more wrong choices. I'm born again from above. I have a new default setting. And I'll tell you, for years, I didn't recognize that. For a lot of years, as a Christian and in ministry, I did not realize God had given me a new default setting. I was still striving, trying to get something that God had already given me. But I've been given a new default setting, okay? He said that he chose us to be holy and blameless before him. He declared that before the creation of the world. And as a new creation, I still have the power of choice. I still have the power of choice. I can make really good choices, and those good choices I make make it easier to make more good choices. And as a new creation, I still have a free will. Again, as I said, I'm not a cabinet. So I have a free will, and I can make bad and stupid choices as a believer. I can even make sinful choices as a believer. And the more I make those, the easier it is to make more dysfunctional, stupid, sinful choices. So I have a choice. 
But I have to recognize that in Christ, I've been given a new nature, therefore a new default setting. And so holiness isn't something I'm just after trying to obtain. It's already who I am. So he declared over your life, before the creation of the world, he said that you were predestined and chosen to be holy and blameless. Now, how many of you, when you woke up this morning, thought, Woo! It's cold outside, but at least I'm holy and blameless. Hallelujah! Anybody? I, I don't know if you did or not, but I will tell you, you get to do that. You and I, that's our privileged position. We are extravagantly loved by the Father. Extravagantly loved by the Father. Several years ago, uh, just a little over a decade, um, my family and I, we spent three months in Buenos Aires, Argentina. And uh, we are walking home one night um, out on the streets of Buenos Aires. And this, I just got done teaching a class at this ministry school. And this thought struck me. And that is that for, I was trying to define like what, what has changed in my life in the last several years. And I'm, in August, I'm going to be selling, celebrating 20 years um, since the Lord showed up and, get, and encountered me in a way that just changed my life. Didn't mean everything's been perfect or easy or wonderful since then, but there was a defining moment in my life that happened 20 years ago this coming August. And so at that point, it was, a, you know, it was probably about nine or 10 years after that. And I was trying to think, how do I convey to these students at this, this ministry school what it was that happened? And remember where I was walking along these streets in Buenos Aires, and this phrase came to me that for years I tried to enter the presence of God based on my love for God. But I've been learning in these last years to enter the presence of God based on His love for me. And there's a huge difference in that. Because Some of us in this room are very steady. We're not up, we're not down, we are just even keel. That's awesome. We need people like you, and I love you, but I'm not like that. And for better or for worse, the personality that God has given me, it's not an excuse, but the personality, because God's given us all different personalities. They're God-given, hallelujah, and then we have to learn to ye submit that personality to the cross and be led by the Holy Spirit and have the Holy Spirit. Like, how many know that when Paul talks about the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians, he's not saying, unless you're melancholy. <laughs> Self-control is for every believer, unless you have a really loud mouth and you just, you know, you got a big mouth, so hey, what can you do? No, he didn't say that. It's like it's for every one of us, no matter what our personality type is, okay? So I'm not making an excuse. I'm just saying we all have different personalities, and some of us tend to be more up and down. 
emotionally. And, and I love God. But I also recognize, man, my love is weak. And if you looked at it, if you gauged it by my performance or by my emotions or by my feelings, it would be up, down, fluctuate all over the map, okay? But God's love never changes. His love never changes. And so if I try to make the basis of my life coming before him based on my love for him, I might have some good days, but I'm going to have some really bad days. But if I come before him based on the covenant that he made with me in Christ, now that's a whole other story because that never changes. Because he declared over me from the beginning, I have called you to be holy and blameless in my sight. And it says, in love he predestined us. He's not tolerating us. He's not putting up with us. I was... How many faced any challenges leading up to this, this conference, this school? Anybody face any challenges? Face some warfare or pushback from the enemy? Yeah, my hand is up as well. Okay. And... I was spending some time with the Lord the other day and and I was thanking him for different things, okay? And so one of the things I was thanking him for was I was saying, God, thank you. I mean, I'm thanking him for his love. I'm thanking him for the cross. I'm thanking him for his blood. I'm thanking him for new life. I'm thanking, thanking him for his faithfulness. And these words came out of my mouth and I've said them probably a thousand times or more in my life. And I said, God, I thank you for never giving up on me. And I don't think that's bad to say because that's generally how I've felt for so many years of my life. I'm like, thank you for never giving up on me. And I, don't, I think that's a perfectly fine response. But yet that day, the other day, the Lord, I mean, I'm just, kinda, I'm just saying this and he just stopped me in my tracks. And I've never heard this before from the Lord when I've told him, thank you for never giving up on me. He was like, Okay, I'm not going to say this is verbatim, okay? This is not a direct quote about God. But it was like, what? I know most of us trying to think, okay, if God has a physical voice, it's going to be a lot deeper than that. I, I get it. I get it. Watch, my son. But, I mean, it felt like, what? And I'm like, I don't know. What? Like, what are you trying to say? Because it's just, he, he didn't explain himself at first. It was like, what? And I'm like, what? It's like, thank you for never giving up on me. That's not even that's not even a thought that's entered my mind. You see, he knew every one of our weaknesses and struggles. Thousands of years before we would ever face them. And he still chose to love you. Paul says in Romans 5 that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. And then he goes on to say, let's see, one way it says while we were weak, 
Well, that, that's kind of nice. Oh, he's kind of weak. Die for a weak guy. But then there's another thing to say, I'm going to die for a sinner. But then he takes it up a notch and he finally says, while we were enemies of God, he died for us. While we were enemies. I tell you what, on my worst day, however you want to define that, my worst day as a Christian, whatever struggles I've had, I've never been an enemy of God. I'm a child of God. I might be a weak and at times floundering or confused child of God, but I'm a child of God. I'm not an enemy of God. And if he died for me while I was his enemy, how much more? And if you read through what Paul says in Romans 4 and Romans 5 and Romans 6, and it, this phrase keeps coming up, how much more? How much more? Okay? How much more? If he loved us while we were enemies, if he sent Jesus to the cross to die for us when we were steeped in rebellion and our arrogant, stubborn sin, how much more? Now that we're in Christ, now that we've been adopted, now that we've been cleansed, how much more? And we have a tendency to think, well, if I screw up here, if I mess up here, maybe God's going to finally stop loving me. And I know none of us would say that on a conscious level. But the subtlety in which we hold back our heart and we don't come before him, the subtleties in which we think, well, I'm not qualified, and who am I to do this, and who am I to do that? Who am I to be used by God? When I first entered ministry many years ago, I, 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 I stepped into full-time ministry, and I look at these other people around me in full-time ministry, and I go, this is amazing. It's finally happening. I had this call of God in my life, and now I'm in the ministry. And I look at these amazing men and women of God. It's like, wow, this is amazing. God, this is incredible. And then I got to know them. Now, I want you to forget for a second that I've worked with Dave for years. Okay, I don't even want you to think that. Okay, let, let's be fair. Okay, also, they were probably, oh, look at this fine young man. What an amazing young man. Oh, what an amazing heart. And then he starts working with them. They're like, Wow. Gosh, until we started working with him. Okay, so let's make it fair. But it's like, oh, wow. My goodness. Feet of clay, that's where that term comes from. Okay. We all got feet of clay. Um, but here's what begins to happen. You realize, wow, I was saved by grace through faith. And if God's going to use me in ministry, it's by grace through faith. Billy Graham. Who could argue or have a problem with Billy Graham? I know, the internet, there's people that do, okay? But Billy Graham, mightily used of God, okay? I could throw out different names of men and women of God, and some of you'd be like, never heard of them. Others would be like, oh, I'm going to Google that. I think they're a heretic. And others of you'd be like, I don't know, they're kind of weird. So I'm just going to play it safe and go, Billy Graham, all right? Billy Graham. How was Billy Graham used so mightily of God? Well, I'm sure there's a lot of components. You could say that he was called by God, and he was faithful, and he was obedient, and submitted to the Lord, and he all of those wonderful qualities about Billy Graham. But I will still say that at the end of the day, he was saved how? 
by grace through faith. He came into the kingdom by the same blood of Jesus to cleanse him from all sin, just like the same blood that cleanses us. You didn't get a lesser version of the blood of Jesus than what Billy Graham got. And the indwelling presence and power of the Holy Spirit, that's that same presence that lives in every believer, including every famous miracle revival, healing evangelist, controversial ones, and non-controversial, if there are non-controversial ones, that live in them, live inside of you. Same blood, same Holy Spirit, same access to the same God. It is by grace through faith. That's how we get saved. And when it comes to living in ministry, it's by grace through faith. How do, you, how do you step out and pray for the sick? How do you step out and release healing and deliverance? How do you step out into uh, the gifts of the Spirit and the prophetic? There's practical things that we could talk about, but I'm telling you it's by grace through faith. There's not one person who ever earned it. There's not one person in this room this morning that's ever earned anything with God. We all come before him as his beloved sons and daughters. So let's, real quick, let's go to Ephesians chapter 3. And I'm, I'm just, I want to encourage you as we go to Ephesians chapter 3 that some of the ground rules, I'm, I just want to real quick set some of the ground rules for right now, this morning, and for any and every session that's to come. You have permission to receive from God right where you're at. Okay. You don't have to wait for someone to lay hands on you. You don't have to wait for official ministry time. You can receive from the Lord right where you're at. And I, I just, as I opened up in prayer, I, I, I was praying this before the Lord, but I also want to encourage you and give you permission. And not only give you permission, but invite you to hear the voice behind the voice. Because it just happens to be that I just happen to be the guy with the mic for the moment. But there's something much bigger and better than the voice of a man. That's the voice of the Holy Spirit. It's because I, Dave and I don't know every person in this room. I don't care who it is up here on the mic. Nobody knows every detail of every person in this room. But God does. And he's the one who wants to speak through the voice of whoever happens to be sharing and speak. And, and, and tailor it exactly to where you're at and what you need. So the times that I've received the most from great, wonderful men and women of God is when I heard the voice of God behind their voice. So there's a lot that I don't know, but I know that God is good. There's a lot I don't understand, but I know that God is good. And I know that Jesus purchased our salvation with his sacrifice so that you and I could live in the victory of the cross, the victory of the resurrected life. So let's, real quick, let's look at this. And this is an invitation for us to drink of the Lord. Uh, Ephesians chapter 3. And I want us to go to verse, start with verse 12. And... As I say that, you're invited to drink of the Lord. If there, if there is a moment in any of these services 
where you begin to feel the Spirit of God begin to speak to you, begin to rest on you, begin to settle on you, begin to minister to you. I give you permission to ignore whoever's doing whatever up here and go with what the Holy Spirit's doing. Now, I know we're going to be in two different churches on Sunday morning. I'm not speaking about Sunday morning. You have your own protocol. I don't want to. But I'm just saying for these meetings, you have permission to go with what Holy Spirit's doing. That you allow him to do that. If you feel the Spirit of God begin to come on you, just yield to that. Just yield to it. I would much rather you sit where you're at and ignore the rest of whatever's being said for that session. And you encounter God. And you allow him to heal your body or your heart. I'd much rather ignore me and go with God. Okay? Sound like a good plan? All right. Let's um, look at verse 12. In him, no, this version says whom, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. In him, or in whom, referring to Jesus, we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. Okay, I'm going to tell you, this does not describe most of my Christian life. I did not think of myself in terms of coming before God with boldness and access and confidence. A lot of the times, my mindset was, I am an orphan begging from the outer courts. Oh God, hear thou my plea, hear my cry, oh God, I do beseech thee. It wasn't all in King James, but some of it was. Oh God, please, oh God. And this passage tells us that we have access, not just access, but bold access to boldly, with confidence, approach God. To me, this is one of the litmus tests of whether I really believe the gospel. If I'm really convinced of what Jesus did for me at the cross, then I will live this as a lifestyle. Doesn't mean I won't have difficult moments or challenges or whatever. I won't have head games that I gotta work through. But consistently as a lifestyle, if I'm really convinced of what Jesus did for me at the cross, then no matter what kind of day that I've had, no matter what's going on, I'm gonna learn to live in such a place that I access the presence of God and I come boldly. I'm afraid that what a lot of us have thought, how we've felt and how we've lived is in Christ who we have access when we're doing really good on our best days when we feel holy enough, we can kind of crawl in before the throne and maybe he'll accept us. I hope I got to walk real careful. I got to... Come before the throne on eggshells. And I hope that he hears me. I'm not convinced that he really wants me here, but maybe if he's in a good mood, and I hope he is because I've had a good week, that he's maybe going to accept me. When he says, we get to approach him with boldness and confidence. That's not arrogance. That is faith in the blood of Jesus. That is faith 
in the heart of God. That is faith in what he's really done for me. You see, again, going back to what we started with, faith can only access what grace has made available. So if I want to learn to grow in faith, i got to see the faithfulness of the Father. The more that I, I look away from myself and I look to the faithfulness of the Father, faith's automatically going to grow. When I'm captivated by His grace, whoo, what a God, what a Savior, what an amazing God. Look at the cross. Look at the heart of the Father that has always been beating for me from the beginning. He's for me. He's not against me. Whoo, what an amazing God. Okay, I'm going to step out and I'm going to take some risk. And even if I blow it, He still loves me. I'm going to step out and I'm going to take some risks. And even if I fail, He still likes me. But we get to come before him boldly. The Lord gave me this phrase some months ago. And uh, that he wants us to be convinced how he's made himself accessible to us and us compatible with him. He's made himself accessible to us and ourselves compatible with him. So again, if what I'm looking at myself is through an old covenant lens and going, the heart of man is deceitfully wicked, my heart, it doesn't mean I can't be deceived. And it doesn't mean that I can't commit sin. It's just saying the, the core essence of who I am, my nature is no longer from Adam. It's from the second Adam. I'm in Christ. Does Christ have a self-centered, arrogant, wicked, blasphemous, twisted, evil heart? If anybody raise your hand, we'll pray for deliverance later on. Okay. Of course not. Jesus doesn't have that heart. And you've been given a heart transplant. You've been made a partaker of the divine nature. And now he lives inside of you. So it's not this arrogance to say that I can't screw up and fail because I, I, I have. I'm still learning. I'm still maturing. I'm still growing. But the essential nature of who I am in my default position, my default setting is righteousness. It's holiness. So I get to come before him with boldness and confidence. And that boldness is not arrogance. It's, it's just believing who he is and what he's done. So if I'm really convinced of what he's done at the cross, man, I'll take, I will take advantage in the best sense of that term to access what he's made available. So let's wrap it up with this. Let's go down to verse 14. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, you know what I love about that? Then say, according to your great faith. <laughs> according to you being so wise and so strong because you've studied for so long. According to the fact that you went to seminary, now you have a PhD in theology. According to that. Well, it doesn't say that. And I'm thankful for that. Nothing, nothing wrong with education. But whatever it is that we put our trust in apart from the faithfulness of God, we're going to be left disappointed. 
And the only way we come before him is based on who he is, his goodness, and what he accomplished at the cross. Again, as I said before, I don't want to boast, uh, but I had more education than other people in my life. Uh, when I graduated high school, I was smarter than most of the kids because I had a fifth grade education twice. And most of the people I graduated didn't. So, okay. According to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. Who's initiating that and who's performing and doing that? Us or God? God, all I can do is believe and yield. Just believe what he says and yield to it. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth of the love of God, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. How big is God? Anybody measure him lately? Then Paul has the audacity to say that you would be filled. Like, I think it's amazing if Paul were to say that you could be filled with a tiny little drop of who God is. Like, that's amazing. But he doesn't say a tiny drop. He said that you might be filled to all the fullness. When I read a passage like that, I'm thinking, my goodness. Paul, do you want people's heads to pop off? Is this what you're thinking? <laughs> that the God of the universe, for you to be filled with his fullness? It's amazing that your limbs stay attached. I, I, I've been in some meetings, and, and I will probably talk about that more later in another session, but I've been in, in meetings where... People have done some strange things. Who knows? Maybe I've even done some strange things. But I've been in meetings where I there's been some weird things that have happened, but it's like the question isn't like, you know, how could God do that? Why would God do that? My, my question would be, how, how could you survive an encounter with God? If the God of the universe begins to fill you with his fullness, that's probably going to look like something at some point. That you may be filled to all the fullness. And as Paul is writing this passage and he's working his way, up, and how it ends is beautiful and amazing. We don't have, we won't get into that. But he says about, as he's working his way to be filled to all the fullness, He's speaking of the height and width and length and breadth of the love of God. 
And Paul tells us in Romans 8 that nothing in all of creation can separate us from that love. Even as the price of inflation goes higher, the love of God is higher still. If our economy bottoms out, his love goes deeper still. Your worst day, your worst moment, your most feeling like a failure, his love goes deeper than your lowest moment. I am weak. And we're talking about these schools that we've done in different parts of the world. And I don't show up there doing these things because I'm special. I don't do it because I'm gifted. I just know that God is really good and he loves to use each of us. And that just happens to include me. But he loves us. He likes us. And so I step into meetings and people come with hunger and they come with expectation. But at the end of the day, it's just about his grace flowing through us. That we are so incredibly loved by the Father so incredibly loved by him. When I said that the other day, God, thank you for not giving up on me. That reaction I got from him, it's like, what? He didn't have a problem with me saying it. He just wanted me to know that that's never been a thought that's ever entered his mind. <laughs> He's never thought once. I don't know if this doesn't go really good next year. I think I'm about to give up on him. It's not even entered his mind. He chose you thousands of years ago, and nothing's going to change that. He doesn't just love you. He likes you. And he's made you compatible with him. For God so loved the world. It doesn't say that God was so angry at the world that he gave his son. It doesn't say that God hates sin so much. He does hate sin. But his motivation was out of love. Mm. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are the one who pours into the heart of man the love of God. Holy Spirit, we love you and we thank you for your presence. We thank you that nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. 
Lord, I thank you that you have prepared for us this weekend a banqueting table for us to come and feast on the Father's love, to feast on the Father's faithfulness. How great is your love, Lord. How great is your love, Lord. It reaches so high. It stretches so wide. How great is your love. How great is your love, Lord. How great is your love, Lord. It reaches so high. It stretches so wide. How great is your love. Why don't you just put your hand on your heart right now. Just say, Father, I thank you that you love me with an everlasting love. There's nothing I can do to change your mind. (laughs) There's nothing that can happen to me that will change your mind. You just love me. You called me. You chose me. And you delight in me. You delight in me. You know what that means? It means he likes you. See, sometimes we can hear a a word like delight, and we can read it in the Bible and think of it in whatever religious terms. But in other words, he likes you. I want you to say this with me. Father, thank you that you like me. No, that you really like me. <laughs> no, I mean, you really, really like me. You're not tolerating me. You're not putting up with me. You like me. You delight in me. How great is your love, Lord. How great is your love, Lord. It reaches so high. It stretches so wide. How great is your love. Nothing in all of creation can separate us from the love of God. Mm. Hmm. Hmm. Oh. Oh, Abba. 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 Father. Oh, Abba. Precious Holy Spirit. (laughs) 
thank you. Thank you for pouring into our hearts the love of the Father. Just extend your hands before the Lord right now. Like you're receiving a gift. Mm. He's never, never going to give up on you. Never going to give up on you. There's nothing you can do to change his mind. <laughs> There's nothing you can do to change his mind. He's not mad at you. He's mad about you. <laughs> oh. Oh. You're not going crazy, but the Father's always been crazy about you. Mm. Whew. Yeah. Just breathe him in and take a drink of his love for you. <laughs> How great is your love, Lord? How great is your love, Lord? It reaches so high. It's too rich, it's so wide. How great is your love. How great is your love. Whoo. More. More, Lord, we just want to yield ourselves to you. If you feel the love of God, if you just feel e even the slightest little drop of his presence beginning to touch you, I'm going to ask you to just stand to your feet. And if you don't feel that, it's okay. We receive by grace through faith. So don't Worry about what you feel or don't feel. But in this moment, if you feel even the slightest touch of the presence of God, I'm just going to ask for Holy Spirit to come with the love of the Father resting upon you. It's not a striving to enter in. It's just a yielding to what he's already doing. And what he's already decided <laughs> and what he's already declared about you. You are daddy's delight. You are the object of the father's affection. See, what I'm not doing is I'm not leading you into a time to say, Lord, I'm begging you to love me. <laughs> By me thanking him, I'm coming into agreement with what he's already decided.
with what he's already decided. That he loves you. So that's what I do. I just, I don't beg him to love me because he's already, he loves me. But I thank him. I thank him. That fact that he already loves me. I thank him. Listen to him speak the words over you. This is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. This is my beloved son. This is my beloved son. So you've been made congruent with the holy God. He's made himself accessible to you. And he's made you compatible with him. You're a child of God. Whatever you feel like God is doing in this room right now, what he began doing in the first session and what he's doing right now, it is just, just a foretaste of what he's going to release. But this is preparatory. Because before it gets anything that might look wild, he wants us to rest, rest. Great is your love. <laughs> How great is your love, Lord. How great is your love, Lord. It reaches so high. Boom! It stretches so wide. How great is your love. says in Zephaniah 3.17 that He sings over us. That He sings over us. That He sings over us. The Lord told me a few years ago, the Father said, Christopher, I'm singing over you every single day. Whether you're listening or not does not change the fact that I sing over you. <laughs> How great is your love, Lord. How great is your love, Lord. It reaches so high. It stretches so wide. How great is your love. How great is your love. 
recipient of your grace thank you for your love that never runs out it never runs dry your mercies are new every morning your grace your grace your extravagant grace abounds to me it abounds to me Thank you that you chose us, you adopted us, you love us, you like us. Uh, you predestined us according to your great love to be holy and blameless in your sight. Say this with me. Thank you, Father, that you chose me to be holy and blameless. 
thank you that you love me. Thank you that you delight in me. Thank you that you like me. You know everything about me. Nothing is hidden from you. And you like me. <laughs> oh. Jesus, we thank you for the cross. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for your blood that was shed for us, that gives us access to your holy presence. That we have bold, confident access. Bold, confident access. Bold, confident access before a perfect God, a perfect loving Father. You have access. Access has not been denied. Access has been granted to you. Access has been granted to you. <laughs> Holy Spirit, I ask that you would illuminate that in each heart and mind. Different areas of different people's lives right now where you have felt that for some reason that you weren't qualified and you weren't given access, I declare over your life, access granted. The Holy Spirit wants to come and remove from the screen on your mind where it says access denied. And He wants to replace it by the blood of Jesus, access granted. The heart of the Father is toward you. It's for you. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence. We love you, Father. We honor you, Jesus. We love you, Abba. We thank you. We thank you that you are good and you are for us. You are for us. You are for us. Thank you that you are for me. You are for me. <laughs> thank you. The Holy Spirit, I thank you for your presence that's here. And I ask that you would keep coming each session. And Lord, I thank you that irregardless of what we feel or don't feel in this moment, I thank you that we have access to the presence of God. I thank you that you are here. And I thank you that you transcend feelings. And that your truth comes to set us free. But Holy Spirit, I'm asking 
But as we learn to yield to that waterfall of your presence, the waterfall of the love of God that just rains on us. Lord, I thank you that you're going to be turning it up. And that drip from the waterfall of heaven of the love of God is going to release a tidal wave of your presence in the sessions to come. And I thank you that you've not made it too complicated for any of us, but it's by grace through faith. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. I am done. I don't know who you want to share. Here you go.